0: Welcome to the Money and Meaning Podcast. It's the podcast for CEOs who want a life full of money and meaning. I'm your host, Ken a. Corder, National Certified Counselor, and the world's number one clinical hypnotherapist specializing in turning stress and anger into a life of meaning. I created a virtual experience that allows me to have private conversations with CEOs that are stressed because they're singularly focused on money, and what I've found In my clinical practice, is that if the CEO is stressed, the whole company is stressed. Am I right? But it doesn't have to be that way. And the CEO is stressed because society makes us believe the American dream is one thing. When it's just not true, it means different things to different people. And the truth is, the American dream is dead now anyway. Because all it ever did was force us to chase money and compete with others. Which left us stressed and unhappy. Nobody dreams of being stressed and unhappy. That's why I set out on a mission to guide my tribe on a transformational journey to make America meaningful again. So, if finding meaning in life is a high priority for you right now, let's get into today's show. I'm your host, Kenne Quarter national certified counselor and the world's number one clinical hypnotherapist specializing in financial therapy and stress management we are getting to the end of our EO CEO conversations. And this interview is going to be fun. First, let me tell you why. Because this man was the first person to reach out to me. And what was so exciting about the fact that he reached out was that there were instructions in the email that I sent and how I wanted to be reached out to. He totally went around them. And his I think it was his PR person, called me directly on my cell phone. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I love this man. And so <laughs> It was totally Kanae, like something I totally would have done. Awesome. So already I knew that we were going to make great friends, have a great conversation. And his name is Brian Scudamore. And he is someone who always inspires people to see the possibilities. Brian is going to help us explore the a few topics. We're going to talk about being willing to fail, willing to take the road less travel, and of course, finding meaning over money. We'll also explore other ideas because this is going to be a full conversation. When you put two people, two talented, rule-breaking, experienced people, it can make for a great podcast. But you can tell me at the end what you think, guys. First, let me introduce our guest. Brian Scudamore is a serial entrepreneur and a passionate people person known for pioneering the professional junk hauling industry, Brian's entrepreneurial journey started in 1989 when he was just 19 years old with a $700 pickup truck and a crazy idea for a summer job. Over 30 years later, 1-800-GOT-JUNK is the world's largest junk removal service, with over a 1,000 trucks serving 200 million people across North America and Australia. A strong believer in inspiring other burgeoning entrepreneurs, Brian recently released his first book, WTF. No, willing to fail. (laughs) How, How failure can be your key to success. He is also a Regular contributor to publications such as Forbes, Wall Street Journal, and Inc. magazine, and has been featured on Oprah and CNBC. Brian's WTF philosophy continues to inspire others to take risks, embrace the power of dreaming big, learn from mistakes, and live life with intention by taking the road less traveled. So please join me in welcoming our guest today, Brian Scudamore. Hey, Brian.
1: Hey, Kene, thanks so much for having me and thanks for the wonderful intro. I see that we do have something in common, not following rules and how (laughs) our PR people reached out to you. You know, I I didn't do well in school because I really couldn't follow the formal structure and that's what made me become an entrepreneur.
0: I'm so with you. And we've both been on Oprah and uh, quite a few things. We have a lot in common. And so I'm really interested to hear your idea of prosperity.
1: Yeah. Prosperity to me, it's about making meaning, not just money. And here we are today in this world where this horrific uh, virus, the coronavirus, COVID is is hitting the world in many ways. And I think one of the, the things that will be sort of a blessing in disguise out of such tragedy is that we will look back at our lives and say, okay, what really matters? Is it about the mm-hmm. meaning we make? Because it's not about the money. We're in this Instagram world where people are always posting pictures of themselves doing great things and bragging about what they're doing in their lives. And it's often surrounded around, it's often highlighting the success, the prosperity they seem to have. But I think what we're realizing being shut in and self-isolating as many of us are, is realizing, you know, it's family, it's relationships, it's that we are happy contributing to others lives and helping to make them better versus really just looking at the the financial side and i think that that's going to be a good thing coming out of this dark time
0: yeah i agree with you with that the family the relationships and the, and that might bring people closer together after this crisis and mm-hmm. so let me ask you when it comes to the meaning over money when did that happen for you? Was it is it something that you always had? Was it a, a turning point in your life? Tell me about that meaning over money idea for you.
1: Yeah, well, I think I I always envisioned myself playing the game of business, growing something, making money. But really, it was the meaning side that I started to learn over the years would become more... Of a driver for me. And I think where it, it happened was in my earliest days being in an entrepreneurial environment, working at my grandparents' army surplus store in San Francisco. I live in Vancouver, Canada. I used to go down to their army surplus store and work there every summer, Christmas holidays. And I'd be seven, eight, nine years old. And I remember working in this store and being so inspired by how they treated people, not just. Mm-hmm customers, not just their employees, but even people, they were in a, a dodgier end of town, if you will. And I remember you'd get some homeless people coming in asking for money. They'd never give them money, but they'd give them money or they'd give them their heart. They'd give them what they really needed versus what they had asked for. And I saw the meaning that my grandparents were building with this small business. And it just drove me. It lit a fire beneath my feet. And it, it made me think, Wow, imagine when I do actually get out there and start my own business, which of course became 1 800 Got Junk. Mm-hmm. The impact we can have on our people and changing their lives, changing the lives of our franchise owners, and watching them lead a, a movement of not just building a great business. But building a business that takes care of people and and helps to teach them leadership and how to run a business and how to grow and develop their career. And to me, that just became something much more important than what dollars could ever buy.
0: Mm, Yeah. So I want to ask you more about the business and that growth and just the climb. But before I go there, I want to ask you about this inspiration that you said you got from your grandparents. So you got this idea of entrepreneurship and, you know, owning your own business from your grandparents. And so what did that mean when you went to school? Was it always, I'm going to go to school and get out at some point and own my own business? Or did you think you would go that like society says, go to school, get a good job, you know, that kind of thing? What was that for
1: you? I thought I would go to college, and well, I did go to college, but I thought I would finish college, and I thought I'd get a job in middle-level management, work my way up the corporate ladder, and I was always motivated by bigger and better. But when I realized that controlling my own destiny and really running a small business and growing that, that I had a lot more control over my own freedom. And my own destiny became building out something where I would start an industry, pioneer the junk removal business, which was a very fragmented mom and pop business Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: never had a brand. I was able to start this 1-800-GOT-JUNK brand and bring in franchise owners and start to build something across North America and eventually the world. We're in Australia, Canada, and the United States. And I think for me, it became a journey of Building a business was going to be a lot of fun. Building a business was Mm. opportunity. When I sat through school, I always loved to learn, but I don't think that I saw the opportunity in sitting in the classroom. I saw the opportunity to learn by getting out and talking to others. So if we sort of rewind for a minute here back to uh, college, in 1992, I think it was 1993, I dropped out of college. I never finished. I sat down with my father, who's a liver transplant surgeon, who's done more schooling than anyone I've ever met. And I said, right. Dad, I'm, I'm going to create this business uh, full time. I'm learning more about business, running a business more than studying in textbooks and from university professors. And so I got out there and made some tough decisions, but I found... I would interview entrepreneurs. I would interview other leaders and learn from them. And that became my schooling, if you will, and would ultimately propel me forward as a leader and an entrepreneur.
0: Mm, Yes. And what I hear you saying is, and I hope the audience heard this too, is that, you know, you were going to school to learn business, but you were also learning by just getting out there and doing it. And for you, that was more valuable in that word. You know, yeah, society, you know, like I said earlier, society tells us go to school to learn it, but you're saying you got it like just getting your feet
1: wet. Yeah. So let's compare and contrast two professions. You take my father yeah. who's a liver transplant surgeon. Now, God forbid someone needs a liver transplant surgeon. You don't want somebody who's figured it out on the fly, right? You what? want somebody that's You don't that's want to watch that on a schooling. YouTube video. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Whereas an entrepreneur, I think school isn't the best method for them. It's getting mm-hmm. out there and making mistakes and learning and figuring things out on the fly because there isn't a one size fits all way to be an entrepreneur. Right. And my discovery of different tools and techniques, you know, I again reinvented an industry that was very fragmented, very mom and pop. If I had learned in textbooks and stayed focused on school, I might not have taken that road less traveled and try and reinvent a better practice on how to do junk removal. So I think for entrepreneurs, my recommendation is school isn't always the best way to learn. Definitely getting out there and talking to people, interviewing them, reading books, listening to podcasts and YouTube and so on. It can be a lot more impactful than traditional means. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. like You can get that degree if you just want to have that degree, but you're really not going to learn it really until you get out there and do it. And like you said, you even interviewed entrepreneurs. Add to what you are already learning, I'm sure, owning your own business, would you say?
1: Absolutely. The best learning has come from sitting down and and talking to people who have been there and done that. So I take 1-800-GOT-JUNK and 10 years into the business, I look to franchise it. So I go approach people that had been senior leaders in McDonald's and other franchise organizations. And I said, this is what I want to do. What do you think? And these franchise experts, almost a dozen of them said, Brian, I I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think Mm -hmm. you can do it. And I asked why, why can't it be done? What would make it work? What's wrong with the model? And they gave me answers. And so I went back and retooled the model and said, okay, If I'm going to build a national brand, we've got to have a call center. We've got to do the booking and dispatch. We've got to have these amazing franchise partners with tight systems and national branding and great PR like Oprah and the Wall Street Journal. (laughs) And I I went and really found the answers based on these experts who said, no, you can't do this. I think Mm -hmm. most people would have been discouraged and said, well, these experts say I can't do it, so it must not be able to be done. I've always loved the Walt Disney quote, it's kind of fun to do the impossible. I love discovering things that seem impossible and then figuring them out. So it's been a fun journey and by no means is it over, but I Mm -hmm. love when you face a wall where it seems like you just can't climb over that wall and get to the other side. And it's sometimes thinking differently. And as we talked about the taking the road, less traveled.
0: Yes. And so what, what I was hearing you say is one, you did go out to get advice, right? But two, you didn't let that advice stop you, but you did let it shift you, which is so awesome because that shift is what most likely propelled you forward into the franchise because, you know, spoiler alert, you did franchise, right?
1: Right. right. <laughs> yeah. It seems ironic that these franchise experts were telling me not to do this. So I did get out and seek advice and counsel from smart people. But I think what's important is remembering to ask questions. When someone mm. says no, the most powerful question is why not? what's missing? What would you do? We even talked about PR and and my PR people pitching you. What we've Mm -hmm. always taught our PR team to do back in the days when I was pitching Oprah and others is when you call a media outlet and they say, ah, sorry, this isn't a story. I'll always ask them what's missing. What would Mm -hmm. make it a story? What don't you like about it? And not that you're trying to convince them and change it to become a story, but you can use their answers The next time you pitch the next media outlet, you have more information that you're armed with in your arsenal to be able to say, okay, I understand how to frame this as a story. It's powerful stuff.
0: It really is. And I will really, I want to point out that many people see that as rejection but you didn't see it as rejection. You didn't take it personally. Well, in a way you did because you asked another question, but you didn't take it personally in a way to let it stop you. It wasn't rejection. It was just, it wasn't enough. What it well, What else does it need? It's kind of like when you're making dinner and you're like, taste this. And it's like, oh, it needs a little bit more pepper, you
1: know, kind of mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> yeah. You make, you make some adjustments and, and you know what, let's call it what it is. It was rejection, but wow, what a gift rejection is. I love Mm. when people say no, I would way rather them say no, because that's going to get me to a bigger yes. I want to hear from someone. Here's what's wrong and ask them why they think uh, that way and and really sort of uncover the the little nuggets that are in there and their wisdom. So most times people get rejected. They don't listen. Their feelings Mm -hmm. are hurt. But Mm -hmm. imagine if you really opened your heart and your eyes and just sort of said, okay, whoa, I see something different now. Thank you. For that gift of rejection.
0: Wow. Thanks for shifting that. I love that. And, and I'm wondering how does that fall or move into failing or allowing yourself to fail? Talk to me about that and how those two kind of go together. Cause it sounds like being able to take a certain amount of rejection or even shift that rejection is part of the willing to fail. Am I right?
1: Yeah. So this whole WTF willing to fail, I wrote a book about my 30 years in business and my life and some of the things I've learned so far in this journey. And I remember when I sat down and wrote the book with my co-author Roy H. Williams, he's known as the wizard of ads. He does all our radio creative and he helped me put the book together. And I remember Roy, who's written a ton of books said, don't Worry about the title. And I said, Roy, I'm a branding guy. I need to start (laughs) with the title. He said, No, no, I'm an author. I've done this a million times. Mm -hmm. Wait, the title will jump out at you. Yeah. So sure enough, we put the manuscript together. And at the end of it, we said, Wow, this is a story of failure after failure after failure. But each one of those failures led to a better situation, a better outcome. And so we called it WTF, Willing to Fail. And so if I look at rejection as a gift, so is failure failure is something that if I think of the time when in 1994, five years into the business, I had 11 employees and I fired every one of them on the spot. I decided I didn't have the right people. I didn't give them the love and support they needed. They didn't believe in me. I didn't believe in them. And it was time for a change. So I oh. sat down and said, guys, I'm, I'm sorry, I've let you down. I haven't, I haven't done a good job here. And the only way I know is to start again. So that failure taught me that a company is all about people, finding the right people and treating them right. And that mistake, if I didn't make the mistake at a half a million dollar business, but instead made it at a 10 million or a hundred million dollar business, it probably would have killed the business. So Mm. it's, as you said, a, a shift. It's how we look at things. If someone's able to look a failure in the eyes and say, wow, this is amazing. This is going to make me better. A window or a door of opportunity will open because of this failure. That'll allow you to grow and blossom in a way that you could have never imagined. Our franchise partners right now that are going through the crisis with the virus, they're they're sitting there going, there's opportunity in this. There's opportunity for government funding and support. There's opportunity for figuring out how to keep our people employed. There's opportunity for reinventing the business and and figuring out how to service customers safely. There's always opportunity. So be willing to make some mistakes. Be willing to then look that mistake in the eyes and say, what did I learn here that will now make me better? It's worked for me each and every time. Eternally grateful for failure and the and the gift that lies within.
0: Yeah, you said it's is opportunity in this and I was listening to another podcast and the guest that was on there she had a cleaning company and of course she is still working because people want their homes cleaned because of the virus but at some point that was going to tap out, right? And so she also added grocery delivery to her offerings. And that wasn't something she did before, but she made that shift and she added that offering. So when the cleaning ran out, cause people are like, well, I'm home all day. I don't, first of all, if I clean up, it's just going to get right back dirty. So I'm not going to do that. And so shifting to that grocery addition has to help her stay in business. And I like that you are adding value to your franchisees. You're like, well, Hey, how about, how about, using this as an opportunity to think differently, because this is in some ways a failure for some people. This this crisis that we're going through mm-hmm. is going to be a failure for them, but they can come out on the other side with some new tools, with some new experiences and yeah. with another failure under their belt <laughs> like kind of yeah. like you say mm-hmm. yeah the
1: the failure can kill you and it can be your last failure it can drive you out of business or you can you can learn from these opportunities and make adjustments so in the same example of along the same vein as the woman who's got the cleaning company some of our franchise partners in wow one day painting who can't go into people's homes and paint right now i mean who wants people mm-hmm. in their homes of course not what they've done is also the same thing the grocery delivery. Many of them are doing it just as a service to keep busy and to just get goodwill out there and help out seniors and help people and do something good in a time where things are tough. So it's the choices we make that keep us going. You know, some people sit there and roll over and play dead in hard times. Others sit there and say, okay, what can I do to grab the bull by its horns? What can I do to learn something, to make a positive difference, and to keep on going?
0: The Beatles said, money can't buy me love. But guess what? We are all using money to get love. It's true. I'll tell you why I know. I've learned in my almost 20 years of working in the financial and mental health industries that money and love go together. Whether we want it to or not. All of our actions are based on doing what we think will get us the maximum amount of love. Now, later in life, we begin to use money to get that love. From the time we are children, we set in motion a plan to get our parents' love, then our friends' love, next, our partners' love, and so on and so on and so on. So you see, around age 14, we make a final decision. On how we will handle money and it just so happens that at that same time we are making a decision on how we'll handle love you might decide to be a saver you might decide to be a spender you may even decide to be a hero or an enthusiast wondering what those two are take the money mentality quiz it will reveal how you use money to get love you don't have to believe me See it for yourself. Take the money mentality quiz. Go to slash quiz and see for yourself. It's free and it only takes like two minutes. The great thing is, you'll walk away not only knowing your money mentality or money personality, but you'll also know your money strengths and challenges so you can do something about them. So go ahead, take the quiz. But don't stop there at the end. Remember, give me your email address, your best email address, so I can give you some guidance to get enough love and money in your life to make it full of meaning. Go to com slash quiz. The link is in the show notes. Now let's get back to today's show. And I want to go back to something you said earlier, because for entrepreneurs like me, who I feel like I'm in this, the beginning of the middle, like I'm not in the beginning of my journey, nowhere near the end. And you 30 years ahead, you're ahead of me. And so listening to you say you fired your whole team and I only have a team of five and I can't imagine if I had to start over without them, but you did that. You let go of everybody. And then you went back to running the whole company. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, well, I had five trucks. We were a half a million in revenue and I had to go back to carrying my big brick cell phone in the, in the truck and I would haul away junk. I would book and dispatch jobs to myself when customers would call. I'd also do the recruiting and hiring new people while I was out in the trucks. I mean, I was doing everything. It was you know six in the morning till nine at night and it was making me crazy, but it was a chance to rebuild and rebuild the business right. So what I was able to do is say, okay, I didn't hire the right people last time. Let me get this right this time. Let me be slower to hire, quick to fire if I make a mistake, but bring in people really carefully where I have these happy, enthusiastic individuals as part of the team, rather than a bunch of people that just didn't believe in where we were going and really saw this just as a job. So I I vowed to hire people that I would consider friends. We don't compromise when we hire friends. We're very careful with our time and protective. So it was me getting out there and thinking, okay, I'm going to find people that I enjoy hanging out with in the trucks that speak well and share great energy with, with customers. I wanted us to have fun together. And it's amazing because that's turned into a big hiring philosophy where we have about 550 people out of our head office. We've got thousands of employees out in the vehicles across our different franchise brands. And the number one thing we search for, we have a statement, hire happy people. As simple Mm. as that. Enthusiastic, fun people that are optimistic. And that's the reason why during today's times, why we will get to the other side of this crisis, because we have these wonderful personalities and people that see the the world as glass half full versus glass half empty and it's going to make a massive difference to our business and our future
0: Okay, so now that I'm. This is selfish. I just need to know how do you know if somebody is a happy person? And I think I know, but I just want to hear it from you because I am such a happy person that I sometimes bring people up to that level, even though that's not who they are naturally. So when they're around me, they come up to happy, and then go if left to their own devices, they're not. So I like to hear how you kind of judge that, or or put some. How do you interview to see if that person is a happy person?
1: Yeah. I think we know. I think that happy people can tell who else is happy. I can't see you. I'm talking through a microphone and so are you, but I can, (laughs) I can hear your energy. I can tell that you're smiling and I'm doing the same. I think that a smile is a big portion of it. I think the, the things people talk about, are they talking about opportunity or are they whining and complaining? I mean, we, Mm. we've all known people like that, employees, people out in the public, And you watch leaders sometimes, and they're just down and complaining about every single thing in the world. But you get other people that lift you up. Don't you want to work with someone that lifts you up and makes you better? Mm -hmm. I mean, energy is contagious. So I think we know. I think we have to trust our gut and find out are these people that have a smile and are sharing their heart and are going to make the world a better place. That's what I want to be a part of.
0: Yes. And you're right, because as soon as I looked at your picture... I knew I was like, oh yes, we're gonna get along. He's a good, he's like a, a good guy, like the guy that I want to hang out with for an hour, you know. And awesome. so you're right, we do know. And I think learning from this conversation, one of the things I can shift is not so much because I can change the room, I can change the air when I walk in a room, I can change the room if I want to. But instead mm-hmm. of doing that, I should or I could feel out that room, even if it's just me and another person, feel them out and then see if they can get me to move to where they are. And you're right. People are so good at complaining. Complaining is so freaking easy for us. But then you ask somebody, one of the questions we ask a lot is what's going well. is one of our coaching questions. And if you ask that question, what's going well, I sometimes people have a really hard time answering that question.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They're, they're like, mm, well, Hmm. I mean, they take so much time and I'm like, I, I'll wait. <laughs> Think of <Yeah>. something.
1: <laughs> well, a, a relevant example, I've got a, a really close friend, longtime buddy. And when the virus started to hit the world and it seemed like the sky was falling and I'm an optimist, but I was still scared. Of course, it was easy to look at the news and go, oh my gosh, one thing after another. And it was, it was scary. Well, a friend of mine started texting me all these different stories and links, and it was just it got to be too much. So I finally said to this friend, I-, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to 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 text me good news. I need you to look for opportunities and things that are happening with COVID right now that feel better, that aren't just inducing panic. And he was very respectful and said, No problem, and he's been sending me good stuff ever since. And so sometimes we have to, you know, I can control my ability to not go to CNN. I can't control Mm. people texting me bad stuff, but I can ask them and say, could you please do this differently? And so it's it's being clear what we want and what we look for in the world and asking others for their help.
0: Yes. And that was so graceful in the way that you made that request because you didn't Allow it to trigger you into reacting to him and maybe upsetting him back as much as you just said, hey, I need you to do me a favor. And with that finesse, the way you finesse that conversation, people can receive that a lot easier and respond accordingly. Like you said, he says, sure. And so he obviously likes to send stories and articles. So he still gets to do what he likes to do. But now he's mm-hmm. looking for more positive. And in a way, just like there's this secondary trauma that he was sending you. Now he's getting this secondary, you know, positive vibe that he can get from looking at those other stories.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, it's been it's been good for both of us. It's interesting how you can make you know, and, and I'm using your word shift. One little conversation, one little text back to this person shifted our future in terms of how we're playing together. And it's been great.
0: Mm -hmm. So that kind of takes me to a conversation that I I would love us to touch on. And that is this lonely at the top thing, because you said you fired your whole staff and started all over. Now I wrote the book on starting over. I don't know if you know, I wrote Mm -hmm. a book called The Art of Starting Over and you seem to have that art down. (laughs) So I'm wondering when you talk about you fired your whole staff, you started all over, probably it was lonely then, you know, when we talk about this lonely at the top thing, what is your idea on that? How, when is it lonely at the top or how do we get through that?
1: I think sometimes in building a business, it's hard to know who to trust. Are people looking out for their own jobs or are they looking out for the the greater good of the whole company? Do they have your back or do they have the back of just their team? And so it can be lonely sometimes. People do treat me differently, I think, as a CEO, as a founder. And so sometimes you've got to ask deep questions to get to the root of the conversation and understanding, you know, what are they really looking for? What do they really feel? And just building relationships of of trust. So philosophy we have as a company is, is being transparent. And in every conversation we have, it's just tell the truth, be transparent. Mm -hmm. We can't always give all the facts to someone. If, you know, let's say we were doing a round of layoffs and we were in a tough, state of our of our business, you can't always tell everyone exactly what's going on until you've got the answers until you've got some plans. But just try and be real and try and empathize with people and, and and let them know that you understand them and what they're feeling and what what's going on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you went through a time when you had to lay people off. What Was that the last financial crisis? When was that that you had to lay like 52 people off or something like that?
1: Yeah. So we laid off 52 people in 2008, I think it was. And okay. It was, That's what I was thinking. It was the last financial meltdown and it was a tricky one. But we also put some people more recently from our sales center. We can't run out of, you know, we've got two offices right now, one in Vancouver and one in Toronto. And the shutdown, shut-in order in in Toronto doesn't actually allow us to even go to our office. And so we had to fairly quickly in this crisis, take a bunch of people in our sales center, uh, our call center and, and lay them off because we, we couldn't get into the office. There was no work for them. A lot of our employees didn't have the technology to be able to work from home. We took the balance of people and we said, okay, let's get all of our staff from both offices. Now working from home with the right technology, and taking calls from home, which was a, a tough thing to to make happen, but we did it and we were still able to preserve a, a ton of jobs. Now, while business is down, you know, you look at layoffs in this situation and hope that many of them are, are just temporary and that we'll get back to a point where we can rehire those, the sales center agents that we want back. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, these things happen and you've got to bob and weave a little bit, but you talked about restarting I think that rebuilding a business, you're going to go through periods where things like the coronavirus happen outside of your control and it might cause you to make some adjustments, some things that you might not be happy with, but there's these constant restarts. And it's again, the philosophy of how you look at that and go, okay, this is a new beginning. How's it going to change our business? How can it actually improve things? I mean, we see that with the world having gone heavily online during uh, this crisis, we believe that there'll be a lot fewer sales center agents and a lot more focus on our online booking engine. There will be opportunities. There'll be cost savings. There'll be new roles for people in the company. And you just, you got to be willing to change and adapt with what's ahead of you hmm.
0: So with that said, it sounds like you've been through quite a few ups and downs. And was there a time through these, you know, being willing to fail that you, you ha- you didn't handle stress? Well, because a lot of times as you're talking, it sounds like it was just like, roll with the punches, move on, let's do it. Got it. Next, 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 next. But was there ever a time when you weren't handling the stress of all of this? Very well.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I'm a human being. I'm an optimistic, happy guy, but there's times where you're just like, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. What is going on? We're all dead. I mean, it's <laughs> you know, there can be scary times. What mm-hmm. I do whenever something isn't going well or it's seemingly difficult is I will, when I'm ready, take out a sheet of paper and I'll answer the question what good will come from this seemingly dark situation or challenging time? So let's look at the COVID days, right? Here we are still, you know, most of us shut in at home, working from home. What good will come from this? As I said earlier, I think it's going to change what we value in the world, our friendships, our relationships with family, the importance of our time that we dedicate towards those versus just business, just just jobs. And so, I often try and go, okay, this is this is a tough time, but there's going to be good that will come out of it. Good both on the personal side and good on the business side. You know, while our our business is not growing today, you know, we're definitely mm-hmm. off a little bit in revenue. I know that we're doing things right now and making decisions that will set us up for growth as we get out of this and as this all sort of blows over, so to speak, we will become a bigger, better, stronger business by the way we handle things by the type of decisions we we make and, and how we treat our people. So it's trying just to pull out that one little nugget and writing it down on paper. What's the good that can come from this?
0: Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. because if you can think of that and not always you're able to but just the the fact that you keep that top of mind and I like that you said when I'm ready uh, I caught that because that was that's a great distinction you start that process too early and you end up going down deeper into the hole Mm -hmm. rather than getting yourself out of that hole (laughs) right
1: yeah yeah. You've got to emotionally be ready and, and go, mm-hmm. okay, I've got this. I'm, I'm, I'm not watching all the bad news right now. I'm, I'm a little more optimistic. I'm ready to think more positively. And then you know something else that's been helpful, even through this situation, as an example, uh, I learned this from Oprah. You and I have both been on Oprah and I'm a mm-hmm. huge fan and, and something she contributed to my life is every day writing down or thinking about before I go to bed, five things that I'm grateful for. And so we started a little process where every single night at dinner with the kids, we've got three kids and we go around the table and the kids start it now. We don't even have anything to do with it. And they say, oh, let's do the gratitude thing. And it's during difficult days. What are we still grateful for? And I've had dinners over the last couple of weeks with the kids and, and my wife where it goes around and around and around the table and it doesn't stop. And we've already finished dinner and we're still talking about what we're grateful for. Wow. So... It's it's I want to come to dinner. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Over over Zoom, you know, so it's (laughs) one of those things where people can do that easily. Anyone can do it. But it is finding beauty. Even on dark, rainy, cloudy days, when the world seems to be falling apart, there's still moments that you can inspire your kids or your friends or your family to say, hey, there's a lot to be grateful for.
0: Hmm. Yes. So I have one more question for you. I can't believe it's over already. But sure. before I ask that question, I'd like to know where people can reach out to you. I talked earlier about watching your TED talk, so I'm definitely going to drop that in the Thank show you. notes. But where can people reach you if they want to kind of see more about what you do?
1: Yeah, everyone seems to like different social mediums, and so whether it's uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm all over the place, and they can certainly reach out. Our parent website, our companies, we're called O2E Brands, which stands for Ordinary to Exceptional. We're taking ordinary businesses like junk removal, or house painting, or window washing, and making them exceptional through amazing people and incredible customer experience. If anyone goes to o2ebrands.com, they'll see links to all of our different companies and all the things we love to do and. And the the good we're doing in the world, building great businesses with uh, awesome, entrepreneurially minded people.
0: Awesome. Thank you. I'll put all of that in the show notes and I am going to have to have you promise that you will be going on to the next round so we can continue this conversation because we still have so much to talk about.
1: Absolutely. It's been awesome <laughs> talking with you. And you, you do bring a, a really happy, smiley energy to the world. So thank you for the podcast you're doing and the the stories you're collecting, Kine.
0: Thank you. You're welcome. So my last question for you is, what is the best advice you've ever received or the advice you wish somebody would have told you?
1: Yeah, best advice I ever received. There was a fellow who was a mentor of mine. He's since passed on, but he owned a company called Shredit, the largest shredding company in the world. And his name was Greg Brophy. And I remember I called him up during a time when I was having a challenge with some of my people decisions in terms of people I had hired and was looking for a strong number two, a second in command. And I remember he just said to me, never, ever, ever, ever compromise on the quality of the people you bring into your organization. And so we don't compromise on on friendships. I started to, again, think of the people I bring in as franchise partners, as employees within our corporation. How do we sit there and never compromise? And so we really became a, a very slow to hire, quick to fire company. We take our time finding the right people, and then we do everything in our power to treat those people right. And that's made all the difference. Mm,
0: Nice. Thank you. Thank you for ending with that, because I think in the beginning in your bio, I talked about you being a people person, but I really think that you're a person person. And what I mean by that Mm. is it's not about the blanket people. You really get into the person, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, everyone has different motivations. And so I can sit there and say, hey, I'm motivated by creating meaning versus money. But I don't put that on others and say that they shouldn't be motivated by money. I want to find out what makes someone tick and see how our business and the things we do can help them get closer to their dreams.
0: It's so good. And that is what I mean about finding meaning over money. Thank you so much for the time you spent with us today. Really, really appreciate your time, your energy and your
1: expertise. Awesome. Thanks, Kanae. It was a lot of fun.
0: You are welcome. And thank you guys for listening all the way to the end. You are awesome too. Remember, failing is part of success. The more you do it, the better you respond to it. However you choose to get into a community so that it doesn't have to be lonely at the top for you, do that. However you choose to travel the world, less travel, do that. It is going to pay off. It is worth it. So my pros. Thank you for listening. I will see you here next week. If you want to know how to officially join our tribe, then keep listening and we'll see you sooner. Hey, before you go, I'm wondering, are you a CEO who is starting to feel like it's time to manage your stress rather than just tolerate it? Have you gotten to a point where you'd rather be appreciated for who you are rather than what you've done according to society's rules? Would you like to enjoy your success with less stress? If this sounds like you and you're interested in seeing if you're a good fit for working with me and my team over here at Presidential Lifestyle, then here's what I'd like you to do. I invite you to head on over to presidentiallifestyle.com and book a private conversation with me. It's not free. My time is valuable, just as valuable as yours is. And for that reason, I'm going to pour into you for about 45 to 60 minutes. You pay a small fee in exchange for a lot of love so we can get to the bottom of what's stressing you out right now. I'll listen to your goals, accomplishments, and even your challenges. And I'll tell you more about me and my process too. You'll get to ask me questions and I'll give you a few tips and resources that you can start using immediately to reduce your stress. It'll be worth your time and your money. I promise you that. At the end of our call, if we believe that we can work together successfully, I'll share with you the fastest way to get to where you want to be using my program. At Presidential Lifestyle, we help CEOs all over the world navigate through stress and turn their money into meaning to see if we can help you do that same thing head on over to presidentiallifestyle.com or simply click the link in the show notes alright go now I'll see you there talk to you sooner thanks for listening all the way to the end my prosperity pro I want to stay connected with you here are four ways pick the one that works best for you if you want to stay connected with me one If you have any questions, I'd love to answer them. Send them to podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. I'd love it if you would make a one or two minute audio message and attach it to an email. That'd be the easiest way for me to get it. Ask me anything about creating a life of meaning over money and I'll get you an answer. Remember, the email address is podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. Two, subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends because you guys might want to have a discussion about it, especially if they're a CEO who wants to shift from the old American dream to a life of meaning. Three, we try not to have any sponsors on this show unless they are truly in line with our values. I mean, really a good fit. So that means we fund this podcast ourselves. I'd like you to take a look at our resource page to see if there's any products or services that we recommend that are right for you. If not, no worries, maybe later. If so, please use our affiliate link to purchase. Thank you in advance for doing that. You are such an amazing person. Okay, four and last. If you want to know what's happening over here at Presidential Lifestyle, And you want us to email you the update, then go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now, and you'll see the current updated blog for the week, but you'll also see a link to subscribe to that blog. We can email it to you if you like. That's presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now. Don't worry. You don't have to remember that link or any links. They're all in the show notes. Oh, and I forgot to say, if you're enjoying this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review and tell us how much you're enjoying it. And now for the legalese. This podcast is not to replace professional counsel. The best advice is from a professional who knows you and your specific situation. The topics discussed in this podcast are general in nature and for informational or entertainment purposes only. We encourage you to meet with a professional that you can discuss your specific situation with. Whether you choose us or someone else, one-on-one counsel is important, whether it's a financial, therapeutic, legal, or other decision. So that's all for now. I'll see you next episode. And remember, you can have wealth in all of its forms. Believe it and you'll see the